1: Heko e o nā mihi nui. welcome to Our Changing World Summer Science Series. Ko Claire can tēnei. Now, every year around this time, Our Changing World gets a chance to play some new podcasts created by Center for Science Communication students at the University of Otago. Students are tasked with creating a podcast about a controversial issue. And today, we're featuring a podcast called There's Something in the Water. Created by William Bowden, it dives into the topic of nitrate in the rivers and streams around Aotearoa, New Zealand.
0: In Aotearoa, New Zealand, we have developed a national narrative which suggests that environmental destruction is something that was largely done by the generations of the past. Our extensive deforestation, the introduction of mammalian predators and the extinction of some of the most incredible species to ever inhabit this planet are all seen as misdeeds our forebearers committed against nature a long time ago. In the modern New Zealand we like to tell ourselves how far we've come since then, how our values have changed and how our relationship with the natural world has matured and progressed. Nitrate pollution in our waterways is an issue which may seem like has been around for a long time.
2: Like many things, we've gone in the last 40 years from sustainable systems to a long, long way away from that.
0: That was Dr Mike Joy speaking. He is a leading freshwater ecologist at the Victoria University of Wellington and an often outspoken environmentalist. However, in our nation's relatively short history, even 40 years does not count as a long time. In fact, This nitrate pollution of our freshwater resource is an issue which we, the living generations, have created. An issue which degrades our quality of life, harms our freshwater species and is an issue which is increasingly being linked to detrimental health outcomes for our people. Thank you Mike for joining us today. No worries. So I'd just like to start with the topic of nitrate and how exactly nitrate became such a big problem for New Zealand waterways. So I guess it comes down to what is happening in our countryside, in our rural regions, which is leading to such high levels of nitrate in our water?
2: It's a simple kind of intensification process, and there's a long backstory to it. How we humans discovered that we could turn fossil fuels into nitrogen fertilizer, you know, probably 100 years ago now. But it didn't come to New Zealand until the 1980s, and it really started accelerating in the 1990s.
0: Nitrogen what does it do for farmers when they apply it to their land? Why is it such an important part of their model?
2: It does lift the production on the land, and so they can have more cows on the farm, therefore they can produce more milk. This new production
0: breakthrough led to a nationwide intensification of dairy farming, and also the wider conversion of dry stock farmland to intensive dairy in regions such as Canterbury and Southland.
2: So we've gone from probably one, less than one cow per hectare, Um, right up to closer to four cows per hectare. And that four cows per hectare is a huge amount. The cows eat the grass, which has got a huge amount of nitrogen in it because it's grown with the nitrogen fertilizer. Only a very small proportion of that goes through to the product. A little bit gets taken up for the cows, you know, growth and respiration. And most of it's excreted straight back out again through the urine. So more than 75% of the nitrogen intake ends up going out through through the urine and then leaks out of the farming system.
0: Mike then explained to me what happens when that concentrated nitrogen travels through soil and groundwater and into our streams. The key word here is eutrophication.
2: I think the best way to kind of describe it is that fertilizers put on the land to grow plants, mostly pasture grasses. Of course, there's plants in fresh water, and that is algae, and that's what grows when it ends up in fresh water and in lakes and in estuaries and oceans and that eutrophication is when it goes past a tipping point where there's way more nutrient than would be there naturally so there's way more plant matter and it's it's the secondary effect one of the most lethal for the life in fresh water is dissolved oxygen levels are soaked up by the plants and then there's nothing available for the rest of the life, the fish and the invertebrates and everything else, the aquatic life. So that's the impact of nutrients on freshwater ecosystems.
0: Is there a measurable level of nitrate in our waterways which triggers a eutrophic event?
2: Yeah, from the 80s up until quite recently, it was half a milligram. That was ANZAC. The Australia and New Zealand guidelines said half a milligram it's kind of crept uh, shifting baselines to, to one milligram now. So one milligram, you're going to see negative deleterious effects on freshwater ecosystems.
0: It is on the subject of nitrate limits where this story starts to have political implications. Last year, the government updated our national policy statement for freshwater, and I was curious to see where New Zealand's nitrate limits are currently set and how these limits are enforced by regional authorities. Mike did not
2: mince his words. So they didn't accept the advice from the science technical advisory group that they set up themselves and instead went for 2.4 milligrams. Which Mike described as
0: being yet another political cop-out.
2: So in real world, the fish can't die at 6.9 6.9 milligrams or 2.4 milligrams because they're already dead from a lack of oxygen at much lower levels but it's a really it's really important to point out that actually kind of sad but it really doesn't matter what the limit is in the national policy statement because we've seen over decades that the councils just don't enforce those limits anyway.
0: A lot of the controversy does sit around nitrate limits and we've already covered them in quite a bit of detail but last year you were part of the science technical advisory group. Which briefed the government on their freshwater reform package. Yep. What was the limit your group set? So we said um, one milligram. And that one milligram limit would that be mm. seen as extreme from certain parties and stakeholders? Oh,
2: you know the the fertilizer industry, you know, jumped up and down like their throats have been cut. But it it is actually the European Union standard. It's in China, it's one milligram for their drinking water standard. It's not crazy or anything like that it's about where it needs to be
0: farming in New Zealand with its current high stock rate high input of nitrogen fertilizer and the high production low value business model can this continue under the limits you're proposing
2: no no there's no way it can continue The
0: story of nitrate pollution in our waterways has long been framed in terms of the ecological harm inflicted upon our native freshwater species we cannot understand our waterways unless we live with and by them. And unless you live with and by your waterways, you probably do not see the ecological damage that we are doing to them. Perhaps, at worst, you might find that your local swimming spot is so severely degraded, that it is deemed a health risk and closed. Just like at Coves Ford, a popular swimming spot on the Salwan River near Rolleston, Canterbury. In the height of summer between the 25th of January and the 1st of March this year, Coase Ford was closed due to a bloom of highly toxic formidium algae. This is not unique to Coase Ford. It is a scenario which plays out across many other swimming sites in Canterbury and New Zealand. Shoulders may even be shrugged as we begrudgingly accept this as an inconvenience or the price we pay for having a dairy industry which provides 3.5% of our annual GDP. However, in recent years, evidence has been building around the consumption of nitrate in drinking water and detrimental health outcomes. To learn more about this issue, I spoke to a University of Otago public health researcher, Dr Tim Chambers. My conversation with Tim began with a discussion about a Danish study, which identified a link between nitrate in drinking water and colorectal
3: cancer. Yeah, the Danish study came out in 2018, and they showed that there was an association with colorectal cancer and nitrate limits at 0.87 milligrams per litre. So that's 11 times less than the current limit. This 2018
0: Danish study was the main rationale for the formation of the Nitrates and Drinking Water Research Group, led by Professor Michael Baker.
3: It was formed just in early 2019 and we started to investigate this and we're working with the Ministry of Health on that as well to try and survey the evidence out there because it's not actually just that study that has been done. There's, it, there's around 11 studies now that have been looking at colorectal cancer and nitrate contamination in drinking water. and A lot of them vary quality of studies. The Danish studies by far the best. Yeah, that relatively low level was what sort of sparked us into action to try and figure out well what is the exposure level now in New Zealand. And what could the potential burden of that exposure be?
0: One of their first tasks was to get a clear picture of how many New Zealanders may be exposed to nitrate levels above 0.87 milligrams per litre. The numbers speak for themselves.
3: Our estimate was around 800,000 New Zealanders above 0.87 milligrams per litre.
0: Colorectal cancer is, of course, a huge concern.
3: People were worried about
0: colorectal cancer, and justifiably so. However, even more recent studies are showing the harm nitrates may be doing to our youngest and most vulnerable.
3: Just this year there's been two pretty robust studies showing that there's a link between nitrate exposure for pregnant mothers and low birth weight and preterm births.
0: Tim highlighted this study in particular for the strength and robustness of its research methods.
3: An interesting study design where they actually took um, multiple births from the same mother and then looked at those mothers that had moved in between births and had different nitrate exposure limits. So you're actually controlling for all of the sort of genetic variables that might impact preterm births. So very interesting study design, and they found quite a strong
0: association. I then put the question to Tim. Where should nitrate limits be set?
3: Yeah, as a public health researcher, we usually take a precautionary approach. So when there's uncertainty in things like this and the consequences are so severe we usually err on the side of caution. It's hard to pin down an exact number, but it needs to be much lower.
0: The pollution of our freshwater with nitrate is a complex issue that I have only just scratched the surface of. It crosses political, social, economic and environmental boundaries across our nation. When viewing our progress as a nation through the lens of history, we can use the past experience to make sense of our present dilemmas. When we reflect upon the environmental record of the generations of the past we must remember that this is a privilege. A privilege of being the generation of the present. Because nitrate travels through our freshwater system so slowly, the pollution we've already inflicted upon our waterways will be there for decades. This is our generation's issue, we created it, but we have already gifted it on to the next. The decisions we make around freshwater now will determine how many generations we inflict this pollution upon and in return How harshly they will judge us. Kawai Mato. Who are we? Kawai Mato. We are water. My name is William Bowden, and thank you for listening to my podcast.
1: Thanks, William. That was. There's Something in the Water by William Bowden, a Centre for Science Communication student at the University of Otago. William spoke to Dr. Mike Joy and to Dr. Tim Chambers. If you're enjoying the show, don't forget that you can follow Our Changing World on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart or wherever you like to find your podcasts. Check out our website at rnz.co.nz ourchangingworlds Our or connect with us on Facebook or Twitter at RNZ Wishing you all the best for the holidays. Until next year, I'm Claire Kincannon. Ma Te Wa. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com.